Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Lost Child follows an Army veteran, Fern, who returns home in order to look for her brother, only to discover an abandoned boy lurking in the woods behind her childhood home. After taking in the boy, she searches for clues to his identity and discovers a local folklore about a malevolent, life-draining spirit that comes in the form of a child, Tatter Demillion. And that is the backstory behind this wonderful new film called Lost Child, and we're fortunate to have with us today the director and co-author of the film, that would be Rama Mosley, as well as one of the actors from the film, and that would be Kip Collins. Kip, also welcome to Film School. Hello. Hi. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for being here, and Rama, I'll start with you. Obviously, uh, you wrote, you co-authored this with Tim uh, Macy. Uh, what was sort of the, where did this story come from? Was this a, obviously a collaborative effort, but where, where did the story behind Lost Child come from? You know, it came from deep in the recesses of a very depressed group of, you know, friends. Basically, Tim and I were depressed. We were frustrated. We wanted to make our next movie. We are waiting for Hollywood to come knocking at our door. It wasn't happening. And we decided that we had to make our next film and that we would do what the Duplass brothers had done, which is we would find a place to go, a friend's home, a family member's home, and we'd just make a movie. And we would take our own money from our bank account and do it. And and actually, the story came from us spending about a week telling each other stories that were very meaningful to us. So I was telling him about my brother who was in the Air Force and who I was estranged from and about a friend who had uh, recently been approached by a five-year-old to adopt her. And my friend was worried that the child was troubled. And Tim was telling me all this incredible folklore from the Ozarks. And as we told each other stories back and forth over the, the seven days, we formulated an idea, and the and the idea was, you know, that this woman comes home from the war to look for her brother, and and so that's really where where it came, and it came from desperation, honestly, to be able to make our next movie, mm-hmm. and to to find a way to do it. That's a very that's fascinating. Have you been in the past? Have you been a collaborative um, director, writer? Is this is this is the collaboration part of this new to you, or have you done this in the past? I, I really love working in partnership, and Tim Macy and I made our first film together called The Brass Teapot, mm-hmm. starring Juno Temple, mm-hmm. and so we have been writing partners now for a number of years, um, and it's really how I like to work. I, you know, We both individually write, but working together, we were able to move through this story and this script and, and write it in about four to five weeks. I'm going to ask you a question that I, I rarely ask directors, uh, but I, I'm just curious about dialogue dialogue to me is 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 really the 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 hidden secret of between the difference between a good film and a not so good film uh you can have a great story story idea arc of the story and everything else but if your dialogue isn't working it, it'll really undermine the value of, of what you're, the story you're trying to tell it, it, do you do you work on it together? Do you, does Tim work on some of it? Do you work on or, or particular characters that you work on when you're writing dialogue? How does that work? Yeah, we, we work on it together. So a lot of the voices start. Um, well, Tim has an incredible ear for 
dialogue and and so he will usually lay down like foundation and I'll lay down foundation and then we'll kind of review and edit each other. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, is that in the, the case of this film, a, a tremendous process happened once we arrived in the Ozarks and we started to work with uh, the local mm-hmm. people there like Kip mm-hmm. who helped us to you know, read the script through and say, wait, I wouldn't say it like this. I would say it like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, the dialect is so distinct, and um, and so it was really important that we have that input, mm-hmm. and that helped us to further, you know, create authenticity. Kip, how are you? How are you? Good. How did you come into the story? How did you come to to this project? Were you approached by Rama, or or how how did you how did you become part of this film well kip was in the hay field bailing hay had no idea anything like this was going to come about and my sister come and got me and told me they was auditioning in west plains missouri so i went to town and i met rama got a little script and then everything took off <laughs> okay and uh, what what was it like the first day you're on a, a movie set? Well, what what was going through your mind when 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 uh, Rama says action? What, what what was your first first thoughts? I had to take a walk. I couldn't even remember my lines. My first scene, <laughs> <laughs> but it all come to me. I seen I had to bear down and and do it. And obviously, they was kind of out of their element, and I was in mine. It was hot. It was August. Um, you know, we, I just done what I had to do. Yeah. And my character was kind of me. Yeah. Who I am. Well, it's a pivotal character in the in the film. It's 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 a character that um, that is important to the story, important to the telling of the story. How long have you lived in that area? I was raised in the Ozarks. Were you? Forty nine years. Wow, the stories you could tell about the changes and all the things that have happened to that region is, I'm sure, pretty remarkable. Um, uh, in some ways, good; in some ways, not so good. Right? Yes, sir. Those arcs is very different from the rest of the world. I've traveled a little. Yeah. I've never found any place like the Ozarks, and the people are different too. You know, a lot of people don't want a lot to do with other people. I'm not like that. Well, no. I, well, good. I'm glad. And here you are. You're doing interviews for a movie. Now, who would have thought, right, a couple of years ago that you'd be sitting in front of a, a microphone talking to somebody about a movie that you made? That's that's pretty remarkable, right? Yes, sir. This is quite a deal. <laughs> well, well, Rama, um, in terms of, I know that in addition to sort of the main cast, you, you did bring in uh, um, people, uh, locals, into the, into the process. And um, um, I, before we get into that, I feel like we need to kind of back up and start really kind of uh, talking about the story itself. And when Fern comes back to her her hometown, to her the, to the Ozarks, uh, she is is uh, not obviously right away, but it becomes uh, apparent fairly quickly that she is dealing with an awful lot of family issues. But in addition to that, in the, sort of the consequences of her time in the military. And Levin does a terrific job in this. She uh, she's really she she's able to project that that sense of kind of unease and unrest in her in herself, and also the the lingering hostility that she has towards what happened in her family. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you were trying to get across with the character of Fern in uh, in Lost Child. Well, 
You know, it was a deeply personal story for me. I um, I have a brother who was in the Air Force and had been, uh, you know, in there for about 20 years, and he'd been deployed on over 11 missions. And um, he was estranged from my family and from me, and, and it was really painful. Um, and I believe that a lot of the reasons why he wasn't able to talk to me, didn't want to talk to me, was because of the things he had experienced and was going through um, during his time. And, and so when we set out to make the movie, I really wanted to explore um, that idea. And, um, but I wanted it to be a female character. You know, that was important to me to, to create a role for a female to inhabit um, because I don't believe there's enough really interesting work for females. And, and so that was the like, cornerstone of the whole process was that, that pain and memory of you know, my brother, um, and then brought forth and channeled through this female archetype. You know, and really the story is one in which she goes from a self-sufficient loner to a self-sacrificing hero. And, um, and that was, you know, we did a lot of research uh, about PTSD and a lot of research about what it's like for veterans to come home and try to make their way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there is, as I was trying to say at the beginning, which is that her behavior was a little bit erratic, but obviously, and, and obviously fueled by not only her recent past, but also of her family's past. And it's not clear, and I don't want to give anything away in term, terms of the telling of the story, but it's, it's clear that her relationship with her brother, Billy, is strained, to say, to put it mildly. Uh, very hostile initially, and over time, and this is one of the things about the, her character, as you just described it, she becomes someone who refuses to give up on on her family and on and Billy and and on this child who um, Cecil, who enters into her life under very unusual circumstances. Uh, so, yeah, we do see that that transition in her in her characters, which is uh, it's a pretty terrific uh, part of the story. Yeah, this is an interesting dynamic, and and yeah. I and I assume that this character is while it's certainly everywhere in the country, where there are there are remnants of this kind of a story, but it does seem like the rural part of America has been particularly impacted by our by these long wars that we've been involved with for a long time. So this is a story that would feel very familiar to people. Um, who live in this part of the country. Yeah, I, I, I think so. What do you think, Kip? I just sent a 19-year-old son of mine to the Marines just a few days ago. He graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do there. There's no work. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of kids have nothing to do, and they turn to drug abuse. So he went to the Marines, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's prevalent. You know, it's like when there isn't an industry and there isn't enough to do, you know, that it is the choice, it is the path. And then in terms of what happens, you know, we'll hopefully um, Cedar won't have to go to uh, see any warfare. I mean, we pray that that's, you know, he yeah. won't. But when you do, there's consequences just, you know, in any kind of experience of vi- violence or trauma. And, and so that's really what um, our character of Fern is coming back with. And I think that that is a very familiar story across the whole 
country. And and definitely when I was speaking with people in West Plains, you know, in the Ozarks, they said that they echoed stories about their family members who would come back with PTSD. Yeah. It is a subtext of the film that that the this part of the country has been so devastated by not only a lack of industry, a lack of job opportunity, a lack of educational opportunities, but also the scourge of the opioid um, uh, plague on our country and how it's decimated these, these uh, communities. And, it, and when, you, when you couple it with a lack of economic opportunity, no jobs available, it is just a disgrace. It's truly a disgrace what has happened. Um, we've seen it in films like Lost Child, but on Winter's Bone. There's a number of films that have brought some attention to this, but but until our political leadership decides that they really want to do something uh, really to help these this part of the, this region of the country and other regions like it, uh, it's going to continue to be just an awful situation. And it, but it's part of the film. It's a, certainly a subtext of what's what's happening in the film. Yeah, uh, certainly, because of Billy, because of her brother, you know, and yeah. what he's been through, for sure. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. With, with another important part of the film, another important part of The Lost Child, uh, is the uh, the supernatural aspect to this. And, and uh, this is where Cecil's character comes in. And there's some, obviously, I'm not going to give a lot away here, but there is there are people who believe him to be um, of not of this world, if you will, and uh, and this is why Fern it keeps getting very conflicting um, <clears throat> information, conflicting responses from people around her as to whether or not she's going to care for the child or not. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I this is a this is something that was really important to me is that you know children are abandoned or unable to be t- cared for by their parents no fault of their own and then they're stigmatized you know in the foster care system because people think of them as troubled and so you have you know thousands and thousands of children who who are really suffering from PTSD themselves who are in unconscionable you know situations without people who love them and care for them and so although I didn't want to set out to make a movie about that directly head-on I wanted to tell this story and I decided, you know, with um, Tim that we would tell it through metaphor, which was this folklore of the tattered million. Mm-hmm. And there's so much folklore in the Ozarks. It's really like you have to imagine that, you know, for hundreds of years, you've got people who sailed across from Scotland and England and all parts of the world and made their way through the hollers of the Ozarks and into the mountains and, and, and created their lives there in really difficult situations, and um, they're tough people. And they also created a lot of mythology, and this folklore kept them safe, kept them family, their family safe. And so it felt right to, to take this idea of the other, this um, demon child, and develop it. It's not a true folklore. Um, it, there's so much folklore that's even crazier than that in in those arcs like you know uh, but that one we made up ourselves but um you know it everyone kept saying it sounded like something familiar to them you know like they had heard so but really it's a metaphor for the stigmatization stigmatizing of children within the foster care system yeah yeah and landon does landon edwards does a nice job as the as cecil in this Mm -hmm. and uh um yeah it's always a tough it's always tough for a, a child 
to, I don't know how old he was in the filming of this, but I'm going to guess he was around 10 or 11. What was he? How old was he? Yeah, he was nine. He was nine years old. Nine years, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough and um, and to be, but he does an effective job and a uh, I mean, nice job. And then Levin plays off of him very well. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Jim um, Perrick, uh, yeah. who does a terrific job. I thought he his character was... Um, a, a really solid performance on his part in the film. I, I really liked the, like what he, the energy he brought to the film. It was terrific in it. I agree. Yeah, very strong and um, and and very dedicated. And and the character he was playing was based on Tim's, my co-writer's father, who was actually a social worker for his entire life within the Ozarks. And so um, there was a lot to be gained there, and and really. Uh, embodied that. Um, I think, you know, what was amazing is that we had these trained actors like Levin Rambin, who was so, so trained and, and brought so much craft to it, and Taylor Smith and Jim Perrick. And then we had um, talent that we discovered in the Ozarks who'd never been in front of the camera, let alone on the stage before, like Kip and like Landon um, and a number of other people. I mean, everyone else in the film had never acted before. And they all came together. And it was sort of like, in a way, it was like a hybrid documentary because we were we were in the moment. Because our film was so small and because we had such a small crew of like 12, we were able to be in the moment and kind of discover the moments. And, you know, we crafted them, of course, and, and wrote the script. But then we were also able to kind of follow our bliss and work with what was in the moment, like mm-hmm. when Landon was exploring something or when Kip maybe couldn't remember a line, but he was able to drive, you know, some emotion behind a, a you know, an idea. And, and so it was this amazing process of watching this hybrid come to life and also being driving it at the same time. No, that's one of the great things about filmmaking and about any artistic endeavor is the collaboration that you find in the moment, as you said, people coming together in a kind of a common effort, uh, as Kip did in, in this film, from from nowhere, basically, out of nowhere. Here, here he is, um, part of the film and part of adding to the, the value added to the film of the authenticity of his performance and of and of the and where he comes from. Uh, Kip, it sounds like uh, you're a man not given to a lot of BS. A man who tells what tells people what what. Uh, what you think, and and uh, and you brought that to the role. I thought you did a nice job. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, meeting these people. Good. Them coming to the Ozarks, and in some way I had to kind of take a little bit of a lead and go to work and show them, introduce them to people, trying to find locations. Yeah. And then people wouldn't have nothing to do with them, really, you know. Yeah. Nobody knew. Yeah. So kind of had to go to work, too. He was like our mayor, our ambassador, because what he's talking about is really true, which is that, you know, although people were really excited about the idea of the film, there was a lot of people who weren't really interested in talking to us. They thought we were, you know, from Los Angeles. They just wrote us off, you know. And so Kip um, helped us to be able to make connections. And once Kip bridged that gap, we were able to have access to to tell our story in the town. And we had, we you know, it was because the local people allowed us into their homes and they came to be in our film, they even fed us that we were able to make a film like this. But otherwise, we had been knocking on doors, we would have been met with, um, well, some resistance, you might say. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well, congratulations on the film. It got a nice write-up in the Los Angeles Times, and um, and I'm sure will continue to garner good reviews. And uh, so check it out. You can find out about the film at Breaking Glass Media, and um, and also you you mentioned you have the uh, the Facebook page, which is I would assume facebook.com slash lost child lost child film film last child film well thank you so much again we've been talking with uh, the director rama mosley who also is the co-writer of the film along with tim macy as well as uh, joining us today was um fig uh played by kip Dwayne collins or kip collins pardon me and uh, thank you both so much for being a part of film school today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Roman. Take care. You too. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.